Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. When you have an opportunity to record a podcast outside drinking hot chocolate and hot tea, you don't pass it up. And we're here today with Dr. Lane Nidig, who is a dermatologist here in Annapolis. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. Well, I will say that you are a dermatologist, but you're not really here in Annapolis quite yet. You've got a couple more days for a practice to open up, right? Correct. Yeah. So I am a hometown, uh, born and raised here in the Annapolis area, uh, and I am finally returning to opening my own dermatology practice uh, and sow my roots here so I can give back to my community and provide top-notch dermatology care. What's awesome? Well, the practice is Modern Dermatology of Maryland. And you guys are opening up where? Right on Reva Road, sort of, uh, I'll say the Dunkin' Donuts corridor, but it's, you know, right right there between 665 and Admiral Cochran Drive, right? Correct, yeah. So uh, we tell everyone it's right next to Dunkin' Donuts, but it's a remodeled white building uh, called the Offices at Reva. Uh, lots of parking, very accessible, and a uh, completely remodeled building with a brand new practice right on the first floor. Well, how did you get into dermatology? I mean, you... Uh, you're you're a young guy. You uh, where, where did dermatology come from? Was that a so I did not go to medical school thinking I would be a dermatologist. You know uh, I've spoken with several doctors, and they you know I, I've spoken with plastic surgeons and I've, and they're all like cardiologists and they're like yeah no I was going into something totally different. I, I imagine that's pretty common. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you come in with an idea of what you think you like, and then as you really experience and work in the different fields throughout medical school, you get enough exposure to realize what really gets you excited and allows you to f- to feel like you're using all of your skills. Cause med- medicine these days is very specialized, so it's important, you know, like if you want to see children, can uh, you have to be in a specialty that allows you to see children, or you have to be in pediatrics. Um, so I really enjoy seeing children. Uh, I feel like I make a big impact there. And then just really, um, you know, opening up all my skills, surgical, scientific, like immuno- immunology, you know, medical, getting involved in like, you know, some of the newer treatments and evidence-based care and just trying to being on the cutting edge. And I think that's kind of why I went with the term modern dermatology, uh, because I want to be treating and giving people a service that is top-notch, uh, five-star, the best dermatology in town. Well, I imagine it's changed quite a bit since when, uh, and, and I'll admit that I haven't seen a dermatologist in gosh knows how long. <laughs> it was back, back in high school when I, you know, when you get the zit and that date coming up, and it's like you go and you get a, a tetracycline pill and hopefully right. that'll take care of it. I mean, I imagine it's all really changed. Yes. What are the core services that you guys offer at Modern Dermatology? So really, I mean, we're trying to check all the boxes and, and offer medical, surgical, cosmetic uh, right out of the gate. Uh, I'm very well trained in all those, and I'm definitely a jack of all trades. Uh, I like to do everything in-house because I know patients are going to get really high-quality care. You know, kind of the, the newer wave is to kind of get people on the treatments that not only control their condition, but make them feel like they don't have it anymore. Them Give them as close to a cure as possible and to be a little bit more um, 
kind of personalized and focused on what their goals of treatment are and to get them to their goals. So everyone's goals may be different. You mentioned medical, surgical, and cosmetic. I mean, what are the types of things? I mean, I, I imagine medical, uh, you know, skin cancers and melanomas and stuff like that play into that. Obviously, that's more of a, uh, it's a cancer doctor that does that, but I imagine that probably works hand in hand with a dermatologist. And I mean, you're probably the first one to see that in some cases. Right, correct. So, I mean, especially in this area, and I previously practiced in Annapolis for a couple of years, and, um, you know, we there's a lot of skin cancer in Annapolis, and there's a, there's a huge need for skin cancer screening, skin cancer awareness, sunscreen, you know, and, and just being on top of those patients, identifying who's at risk and making sure they're in the office, and then also uh, identifying, you know, who's not at risk. And sometimes, you know, people are a little bit more anxious and worried about it. Um, then maybe they should be for their life stage. So it's important that, you know, we everyone can be a patient, but we don't make a patient out of everyone. Screening those where it's appropriate, where they have a family history, they've never had a screening, and then we kind of see uh, what their risk factors are for skin cancer and making sure that they get the appropriate follow-up treatment and that... Uh, they don't. They're not undertreated. They're not overtreated. They're appropriately treated. That makes uh, sense. That um, makes and because you can, I mean, you can be kind of a hawk, and sometimes you know we don't want to do more than what people need. And I think that that's that's very important to me to make sure that you know patients are informed and they make their own treatment decisions. Uh, as we're, you know, counseled by uh, a board certified dermatologist. And I imagine a lot of that has to do with all the water that we have around us in the bay, and people are out. Correct. Yeah. You know, fishing, sailing, and everything else. Right. So there's a lot of outdoor activities, um, you know, Annapolis and, and the population in general. I mean, in some, in some cases, an aging population, more at risk for skin cancer, more activities outside. Um, and some of this genetic predisposition, um, I tell a lot of my patients that, you know, the numbers are now, you know, closer to 40% of Caucasian patients will have skin cancer in their lifetime. When people hear those numbers, it's shocking. And I tell a lot of my patients when they, when they get skin cancer, they, they think that they did something wrong, there's something wrong with them. In reality, a lot of it's really wired in and the fact that folks are living longer, you know, that's one thing. And then the other thing would be, you know, the ozone and UV exposure. Uh, UV has actually gone up since, you know, the 70s, like 50 years ago, it's increased at least 30 percent. That might be to, it might to explain some of it, the aging population. And then Surveillance has also increased awareness, dermatologists, the number of dermatologists, the number of treatments and biopsies and things where, you know, we're, we're actively aggressively looking for it, uh, where I think, you know, previously, historically, either people weren't living that long or it was being swept under the rug by a primary care doctor saying, no, it's not that bad. You'll be OK. Uh, and, and, you know, they only treated it if it became, you know, very symptomatic. I think that you're seeing a lot of primary care doctors, as you said, they were sweeping it under the rug or just sort of. It's nothing to worry about it. I think I'm seeing at least or hearing the stories of a lot of primary doctors that are now coming saying, well, let me have somebody else look at this that's a little bit better. Let me send somebody to Dr. Nidig and have him take a look and have him say no. He's the one that sees this time and time again, as opposed to risking it and just sort of winging it and saying, yeah, no, nah, this looks good. Yeah, there's there's so many subtleties to the skin exam and to skin cancer and so, you know, the treatment or diagnosis of getting just a mole check. So it, it can be a healthy patient. And then we find out very quickly that there's something going on that, you know, that need, that needs to be treated and addressed. We really prefer that the primary doctors do refer to the, to the dermatologist just because 
we we know what we're dealing with. We see it every day, all day. And if there is an issue, we're going to take care of it, see it through to the end. And then, you know, some offices, I think primary care will actually offer a skin check. And sometimes it gives the patient a false sense of security that they don't have a problem and where there may be a very subtle or early problem that's a little bit difficult to diagnose that we would rather catch early. So I don't put a lot of stock in uh, a, a skin check provided by a primary care, but it is a good screening tool to say, you know what, I saw a few things that you should really go to the dermatologist. So for those reasons, I do support it, but it should not be in, in place of a, a dermatologist exam. That makes sense. Surgical and cosmetic. I mean, cosmetic, the first thing that comes to my mind is like Botox and scrapings. I don't know if that's the right word, but the, uh, or peels, peels are right. Yeah, chemical peels, <laughs> scrapings. That's, that's, so that's like dermabrasion, which is, you know, another thing. Sandpaper. Like, you know, esthetician where like, you know, you want to improve texture of your skin. You want to feel that your skin's smoother, more youthful. Now, is that something like if I had real bad acne as a kid and I've got a scarred, pocked type of a face, that's something that... Correct. Yeah. So we would do like, you know, microneedling, you know, chemical peels. Okay. You know, there's certain procedures to help improve scarring platelet-rich plasma. Um, there's another one called platelet-rich fibrin matrix or PRFM uh, that, are, that can be used to kind of stimulate kind of your skin's collagen. Also, we use it in hair loss. So I do specialize in hair loss. And, and so I'm, I'm very uh, you know, up-to-date in those, in those elements, providing you know, treatments that I think previously in this area, we, there wasn't all that much access to from a dermatologist. But you know, I think you know, that's what we're you know, hoping to bring to the area. In reality... Uh, hair loss is a dermatologist field, unless you're getting surgical hair loss. Like you know, if you're getting uh, hair transplantation, that's its own that's its own surgical subspecialty that does have some dermatologists within it, uh, some plastic surgeons and some other folks as well. But um, the medical treatment of hair loss, like if you come early and often, we can the vast majority of times bring your hair back, stabilize it, and then. A lot of the times it's not just regular hair loss, like, you know, regular hair loss, like, oh, you know, I'm inheriting it. We call it androgenetic alopecia or just like hormone or genetic induced hair loss. And in reality, a lot of the times people come in thinking that, oh, it's just regular hair loss. And we find that there's something else going on and that we're able to correct it, um, stabilize it and then keep their hair. That's interesting. And then obviously surgical. I mean, you've got you mentioned a mole or something that you want to get off something that's benign. I mean, obviously it takes a growth and test it to see whether it's, you know, benign or cancerous. And Correct. So, yeah, I mean, have a lot of surgical experience, whether it's removing a skin cancer, you know, a benign cyst, a lipoma, you know, these different things, different growths on the body, uh, unwanted growths, you know, whether they, you know, be symptomatic or not. You know, generally for insurance coverage, it should be symptomatic or concerning or, you know, but, you know, we would determine that at the time of the visit. Yeah, these things, I mean, you know, making sure that we minimize the scar, you know, keep the procedures as small as possible, uh, you know, using the newer techniques to, re- like, to reduce scar and, you know, comfortable operating pretty much everywhere. So it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where getting skin surgery at a dermatologist's office is actually much more comfortable than going into, oh, uh, into like, a, imagine. A, a, like a surgery center or into the hospital for a surgery. So it's very comfortable outpatient. It, it's, it's just uh, the recovery is very minimal. So if you have to have something removed with us, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't dread it very much at all. It's, it's, very, it's very easy. I know, in, and also in, in dermatology, I would think in particular that uh, the earlier the better, and I think that's probably most medical things, but when you, when you see a problem, check it out. Um, when you've got an issue, let's let's address. I know my daughter did a uh, when she was younger, passed out 
uh, did a big old face plant uh, on some concrete and had oh, her, her face was all, you know, had a, had a couple good scars. And it was uh, we did, didn't mess around. It was like, OK, let's talk to a dermatologist immediately. And then uh, working with a plastic surgeon, actually, to turn around and, and do, you know, I mean, instead yeah. of having, you know, I mean, a, a general practitioner would have probably put six stitches in and said, OK, go home. And this one's putting like 30 in just to, you know, but the secret for her success was to get it done early. And I think that, you know, when you see a spot, when you see a, a strange growth or something that doesn't go away or keeps getting bigger or something like that, it makes all the sense to talk to somebody and, and get the diagnosis there. Who's your, who's your customer? Who's who's your sweet spot? If you could handpick your your customers or your patients and say, okay, I want... I don't want you, Myrna, because you're a pain in the neck. But I, you know, are they are they younger? Are they older? Are they? I mean, I definitely. Uh, I feel like I connect with all different age groups, walks of life, all different colors of skin. And I was most recently practicing in National Harbor in PG County, uh, just outside of DC. And uh, sorry, <laughs> it was uh, it's a lot of traffic to get down there, but because uh, I live locally. It was a, a really great opportunity to work closely uh, with a very diverse community and to really um, make a difference and, and grow my own skills. And, um, you know, I also trained in uh, inner city Philadelphia and Camden, New Jersey as well. Um, so I have a diverse experience of seeing a lot of skin of color and, and the uh, issues and diagnoses that occur there because um, it can be a little bit different. And I feel like right now... Um, in Annapolis, there's not a lot of skin of color experts as well. So, you know, but my ideal patient, honestly, is anyone who needs a dermatologist because their skin is is not doing the things that they want it to do. And it's, uh, they have a condition, a skin condition, in which they feel like it's never gone away or has been undertreated. Uh, because I, I like to get people on whatever therapy gets them the goal that they need to get. And so sometimes we have to be a little bit more aggressive and do a little bit more treatment that I think some other practices in the area are reluctant to do and to spend that extra time and to get you on more advanced treatments and therapies uh, that, you know, I want to make sure that we're, we're treating, you know, simple things like acne in the community correctly. So I definitely want to see a lot of teenagers and a lot of young people because, you know, just walking down the street and, you know, walking in the mall, Annapolis Mall, down downtown Annapolis, I, you know, just, just walking down the street, I can see that there are still people in our community suffering from very treatable and very basic dermatology conditions that are pretty much controllable or curable very, right. very quickly with the correct treatment. Well, you, you had mentioned you'd worked with, uh, you know, people of color. And I know I hear, I've seen studies and read, you know, that African-Americans tend to have a higher incidence of we'll say just cancers in general and you know there's you know access to medical care and medical stuff do you find i mean is there anything with people of color that is greater or people who are more at risk as being a person of color than a caucasian right so i mean the number one diagnosis in patients of color is generally hyperpigmentation their skin tone is uneven and sometimes that can be caused by another dermatologic condition but Having uneven skin tones is very distressing, and I would say most commonly it can be caused by acne, but it can be caused by eczema, all different types of other rashes. Uh, also, a different kind of scalp rash called seborrheic dermatitis is fairly common, uh, so I treat a lot of that, a lot of advanced treatment for that. But also alopecia is very common, especially when a lot of black women suffer from alopecia, and sometimes these alopecias are more, they're medical conditions, and 
uh, the awareness is something that, you know, is increasing. And I think a lot of patients are getting treatment earlier um, for these conditions, um, you know, and making sure that they're able to keep their hair and, you know, restore, you know, kind of their hair growth and their, you know, whether they be, uh, you know, on the edges of their hair, uh, what we call traction alopecia from tighter styles or just, you know, genetically inherited types of hair loss or inflammatory or types of hair loss where there's inflammation in the scalp that's a medical condition. And if it goes untreated, it can cause more extensive and or permanent hair loss. So uh, really getting awareness out there to get those patients appropriately treated. Yeah, that's something I'm very passionate about as well. Well, despite the slap of Chris Rock at the Oscars, I mean, certainly Jada Pinkett Smith has, uh, <laughs> you know, brought, uh, you know, brought a lot of awareness to alopecia with through that whole that whole thing, which I correct, think is- and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Conditions just like that, where you know, early access to a dermatologist can make a big difference, and there are newer therapies out to treat conditions where there's total scalp loss of hair, and you know, a condition called alopecia areata, and in other conditions where it is essentially an autoimmune disease or an inflammatory disease. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you do? I mean, makes such a difference in people's lives. I mean, you know, okay, I go to the doctor and he says, you know, turn your head and cough. And I mean, it's not life changing for me. Um, But you look at, you know, certain practices, dermatology being one of them. Uh, I would imagine plastic surgery is 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 another and the the weight loss, the the gastric stuff and stuff like that. But I mean, you're taking a teenager that has zero self-confidence because of acne or, you know, what whiteheads, blackheads, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And really changing their life. Uh, you're taking somebody that is losing their hair, um, which, you know, I had a brother-in-law. I mean, I've got, I've got gray hair, but it's, you know, it's, it, it exists. My brother-in-law, my former brother-in-law lost it earlier and always wore a baseball cap. And, you know, but you're taking these things and really changing lives and changing people. How's that, does that make you feel? Uh, that's the best part about it all, uh, you know, and um, that's why I'm in it. And those are the relationships that we build and we make in the clinic. And when people come in and you show them their photos when they first checked in and their first day, and then six months later, you're showing them what they look like now and their skin is clear and they're smiling. And uh, I mean, some of them are crying. Some of them are hugging me. Some of them are taking selfies with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, they're putting it on will. TikTok and they're... And I'm like, okay, you know, you know, it's it's exciting moments to really make that much of a difference and watch their self-esteem, their self-confidence and and just their general overall well-being um, just elevate to a whole new level. So honestly, you ask me what kind of patient I want. Those are the kind of patients I actually really want because those are the ones I can make the biggest difference in. Um, and, you know, those are your patients where their skin is really affecting their life or their quality of life, something, some sort of skin disease, whether it be moderate to severe acne, psoriasis, eczema, itchiness, sun sensitivity, some, something that, you know, is causing either distress or I don't want to say disfigurement, but, you know, to the point where you feel like you're having to cover up the inadequacies of your own skin. Uh, I find that a lot of times where, you know, you see a dermatologist and they say, oh, you have this problem, here's that cream. You have this problem, there's that cream. And sometimes that is the best treatment for mild conditions. But I find that historically, uh, what I've seen in the community in, in having practiced in the last five years in the area is that a lot of these conditions are undertreated. And if we get them on appropriate treatments, they can reach new levels of clearance and control and or 
feel like they don't have it anymore. That's cool. Does stress play a big part in issues, skin issues? So stress leads into almost every condition that we treat. Um, it, it's it, it is it definitely compounds on just about anything, whether it be you know itching or a rash or uh, acne. It's all stress related, and you know there are certain you know stress chemicals, hormones in the body that are going to pretend a worse prognosis for many conditions, especially acne, especially anything itchy, especially if you're if you're undergoing a lot of anxiety or in a tough time in your life, depression, things like that, it compounds on the skin problem. I mean, and, and a lot of those things, if your skin is bad enough, it can make your anxiety or depression worse. That, that makes sense. I mean, I always kind of thought that. I mean, it was, you know, you get nervous about that first date in high school and sure enough, that, <laughs> that glowing zit shows up on the side of your nose or something like that. But I mean, I imagine that as you go through life, and I mean, you know, whether it be work pressure and home pressure and money pressure and everything else, that it's uh, it's an easy out. I mean, the skin is the largest organ in the body or That's outside correct. of the body, I guess they say. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. What What is the best thing anybody can do to make sure they have healthy skin? What do, what do you impart on a 12-year-old to make sure that they've got the best shot at having the most healthy skin as they go through life? Well, it's really having more, like, healthy skin habits and being really aware of, you know, how important sun protection is. And I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse when we talk about sun protection because, you know, dermatologists, the next word out of their mouth is sunscreen. But, you know, all the research that we've found and everything that we know is that 90% of the skin's aging is from sun exposure. If you have healthy habits from a very young age, will really improve the quality of your skin. You'll look younger for longer. And it will also reduce your overall risk in your lifetime of skin cancer, even though, it, you know, with the numbers I put out earlier, it can seem somewhat inevitable. And then also for, for darker skin types and skin tones to also increase awareness in those groups because they are also can have aging of the skin, skin problems worsened by sun exposure. And, you know, if you wear sunscreen... Starting at a young age, uh, you know, whether it be on a daily basis or just with increased exposure, we found that it just it improves the quality of the skin, and those people are happier with their skin for longer. We've got to also think that, I, I mean, when I think of sunscreen, I think of I'm going out biking, I'm going out hiking, maybe I'm going to the beach. Uh, I don't think about it when I'm going to the giant. Right. Uh, I don't think, and and. We are exposed to the sun. We're sitting here right now outside of Ceremony Conference at the Festival at Riva, and we are exposed to the sun. I am not wearing sunscreen. I never would think about doing it. Um, <laughs> but compounded, I imagine that's probably an issue. Right. If you think about it, uh, let's say Monday through Friday, you commute to work. If you can see and it's bright outside and you don't have a light on, the, the light is coming is ultraviolet. Even though it's not direct, it's there. So it's there. It's present all the time. Um, whether it's direct or indirect, you're still getting exposed. And that is the amount of that is what ages our skin over time. So putting a sunscreen on every morning and a moisturizer, let's say you have a 10-minute commute. I'd be lucky to have a 10-minute commute. Uh, if you have a 10-minute commute, that's 10 minutes in the car, maybe 5 or 10 minutes walking in and out of buildings. You know, that time adds up over many years. And that's also why a lot of folks, uh, like if you look at the top of their hands or their neck area or their face, will sometimes age a little bit faster than the rest of the body. You look like, you know, the underside of your wrist or your under, okay. a forearm. You look and say, oh, it looks so, there's not that many freckles there. There's not that many moles there. There's not a lot of, you know, red-brown discoloration or, you know, the skin seems to be more normal there. And that's because that area has been covered or not exposed. Sheltered to the... And, and, and also double-covered areas. Like you think about, 
you know, uh, like the underwear or like covers you, it's double covered. That area, also the skin, you know, stays younger for longer. Right. Um, and so it's important to kind of improve the quality of our skin just by covering from the sun, but also just being aware that, you know, if you were going to put sunscreen on every day, you would treat your face, your neck, and I tell most patients the top of their hands as well because those are the things that people come in later on and they feel like, I feel like I'm getting old. And they like, where do they look? They look in the mirror, they look at their hands, and they look at their neck, and they're and so and that's you know, um, and those are areas that we actually do a lot of cosmetic treatment um, because those are what people see. The yeah. turkey neck and the exactly <laughs> everything else. I um, I'm getting my own there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sometimes. I mean, that's that's probably not from the sun, but you know, some things like loss of collagen and just normal aging, gravity, you know, has its way with all Gravity's of us. A bitch, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, some of that, you know, some of that could be more genetic and gravity based. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, health and wellness is you know, it's a, it's a compound, a multifactorial thing where. It's it's a little bit of everything, you know, diet, exercise, wellness, sun exposure, you know, uh, and, you know, age is really just a number and uh, and age is how you, and, you know, it, it is kind of how you feel. I mean, I've talked to 50 year olds who are in and in, in feel feel 80. And I talk to 80 year olds who feel 50. Yep. And, you know, so. Not, well, I guess you're not a fan of my sister's uh, sunning routine. That was the Johnson baby oil slathered on. and. Uh, I don't know if she had the reflectors or not, you know. My mom had the reflectors. So make sure you get underneath the chin to make sure the, uh, I'm flashing back to the uh, Something About Mary with uh, the Magda out there, that one character that was in there. But, uh, yeah, that's obviously a, a bad idea. I don't even know what baby oil could be used for. Well, it was, I think it was just for, you know, for bronzing and just feeling like yep. you're, you know, it's like it's like you're cooking evenly. Yeah, it's like uh, one like in a frying pan. Exactly. So <laughs> exactly. I think uh, uh, skincare has come a long way uh, where we know the bronzed look and, you know, if you if that's achieved, you know, through tanning beds, then, you know, that's the worst thing you can do for your skin is, is tanning beds. So we're always increasing awareness of that. They're illegal in Maryland, aren't they? Or, uh, or, or it's super restricted or something. Super restricted, especially for minors. And there's a consent form that tries to make sure that you understand the uh the ex- the exposure risk the risk of skin cancer and it is shown to be an individual risk factor for skin cancer especially in folks who go in the bed over a hundred times it becomes more dire at that point so uh, I tell patients it's like smoking for your skin so just don't do it yeah. um now if you did it a couple of times I'd still be mad at you but I would tell you to stop stop it um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like if you did it like the classic time is you know People go a few times before prom or something and they get or they, you know, when they're in college or younger and, you know, it's when your skin is, you know, the most youthful and well. And it's like, you know, you want it to be that way for a very long time. So you, you it, would, it would be better off not to do that. So what level of a tan is OK? Really none. Yeah, you don't need a tan. You don't need a tan. Yeah, so you you should not be seeking out a tan. Now, a little bit of healthy sun exposure with sunscreen to get vitamin D is fine, but vitamin D, we find, is a lot of people's excuse to get sun. In reality, it's best just to supplement vitamin D. Uh, if you're trying to routinely get that through sun here, as you already know, the weather's very unpredictable. You know, winter and fall, we're not getting enough anyway. It's better to just get into a uh, routine of supplementation because a lot of folks are deficient in vitamin D and Having vitamin D at appropriate levels is very important to health and wellness. You mentioned microneedling. What that? What is that? Right. So actually, it's uh, 
thank God it's micro because it's really <laughs> not that painful or it's maybe a slight discomfort, but it is a procedure that's FDA approved using a device called the skin pen, uh, which we use um, mostly on the face, but also to treat scar tissue and things like that. But for treatment of fine line wrinkles, it can induce collagen formation. So for patients with healthy skin, the the other use of microneedling is in a lot of our acne patients to have acne scarring, and it is the treatment of choice. It is the most cost-effective treatment. It's the best bang for your buck for acne scarring, and and treatment of acne scars can be a very expensive problem. Um, so you know, I like this to start patients on that. Uh, once we know their acne is in remission or is completely clear, then we will appropriately offer them a treatment plan for their acne scarring. Um, unfortunately, treatment of scarring is not covered by insurance. Okay. Um, so that's considered cosmetic. Um, but the treatment of acne, um, is medical. And I mean, my message to most patients for awareness is if you have an acne scar or you have pimples that leave scars, you need to see a dermatologist and you should most likely be on oral treatment. Um, so if someone gives you a cream, probably there's nothing to prevent you from getting another pimple tomorrow, which would leave a scar. And any acne that leaves a scar is not your friend, and you want to treat that very aggressively to make sure that we maintain the contour and youthfulness and the um, you know appearance of your skin. We don't want it to get acne scars. Now, if you have acne scars, we can do a heck of a lot to fix it with procedures like microneedling, chemical peels, getting getting patients fully plugged in with whether you know with more advanced therapies like you know resurfacing, laser treatments. Um, but as I start saying the word laser, it, it, you already know that it's more expensive. Right. Um, so we like to start with the the things that get the most bang for our buck that are the easiest, the least painful, the cheapest. And so the goal is to is to get you to that treatment goal. And um, everyone's goals are different, but making sure that we make a plan that gets you to the goal and also stays within a budget. Is Botox still a big thing? Oh, yes. And so Botox was kind of the gateway drug for all of <laughs> cosmetics and dermatology. And it still is. Uh, and there are many different types of what people call Botox. Now there's competitors. So there's Botox, Dysport, um, Juveau. There's a new one called Daxify, uh, which, you know, which is brand new on the market. But these are what we call neurotoxins that treat wrinkles. Um, and a lot of patients will get treated every you know, three or four months or some patients every four to six months for a treatment. And so when patients come in for Botox, they think that, you know, what's actually happening? Uh, you know, the needles are very small. It's very, uh, very tolerable, close to painless. And the effects are temporary. Um, now, if you get it done consistently, it can um, reduce signs of aging permanently because you're preventing wrinkles from forming and staying formed at rest. But being consistent with Botox, um, starting off small, starting off with low numbers of units, so that you don't break the bank right out of the gate. Um, so, you know, the approach that I have is to be very subtle with cosmetics and to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck and you're not just being put through the same treatment plan for everyone. It's a little bit more personalized when you see a board-certified dermatologist who focus in this areas, and, uh, you know, that you're not getting more than you need. The um, non-invasive techniques in cosmetics are becoming more and more popular because those are generally cheaper, they have less downtime, and they can be very effective and more subtle. Now, if you go, quote-unquote, under the knife, yeah, it tends to be more drastic. 
Um, and then some people like drastic, and that's fine. So like I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but the majority of people who want to dabble in either Botox or very you know, well-directed, kind of subtle treatments with filler injections, those things can be done very tastefully and very responsibly and very safely uh, in the right hands. How do you feel about tattoos? So tattoos obviously are very popular. Um, they're everywhere. They're increasing. Um, body art in, in its way is, um, you know, it's, an, it's a form of expression. And, you know, tattoo removal is something that I won't be doing on day one. We might do that in the future. Um, but in terms of skin health, um, it's uh, something where it can sometimes cover up a mole or a bad mole or disguise, you know, issues, skin issues. And there are risks for scarring and, 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 you know, very rarely uh, reactions to tattoo pigments or uh, also very rarely infections with the placement of the tattoo. So I frequently do treat tattoo rashes or tattoo infections when those do occur um, and making sure that, you know, patients um if they do get a reaction or an infection after a tattoo that we treat them aggressively and then with tattoo removal you know you're you are best suited to go to a dermatologist practice that runs a tattoo removal uh laser clinic um and 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 those devices are very specialized the thing is the, the reason to see a dermatologist is that if something doesn't go as planned they know how to fix it and if you go to a a tattoo uh, removal place that's in a, you know, you know, it's in a van or in the corner, you know, like, you know, it's set up in the corner of town somewhere and you and the person's not a, you know, trained medical practitioner or MD, then, you know, you are running the risk that they only have one device. They use it. And if it works great, if it doesn't work, then what next? They don't they may not have the answer. And so best to start where, you know, we know we can treat you to the end. And I assume that like any medical doctor. You accept insurances and all the popular insurances? Yes, correct. So uh, we're in network with all the major uh, commercial insurance providers. Um, um, Is that you know, a real headache? Oh, you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it takes time to contract and credential and it can take up to 180 days. So it's actually the longest part of opening a practice is becoming fully credentialed. So um I'm trying to make sure that we have really great access because you can have a great new office, but if people can't access it with their insurance, it's it's uh it's it's not it's not great. So, um, I'm making sure to um, you know contract with you know all different payers from you know commercial payers to Medicare and also state-run programs and Medicaid and managed care organizations. So make sure that people so you do have, have the Medicaid and the the Medicare as well. Correct. So, you know, not a lot of practices will accept Medicaid that are private. Some of the corporate offices will, um, but Medicaid access to care is a real issue. And a lot of plans, um, you know, you you may be um, pigeonholed into different offices where you may be seeing mid level practitioners. But this is an opportunity to see a board-certified dermatologist with Medicaid, and I have availability right out of the gate. Um, and I am really excited about that. And, you know, when I went to medical school, um, you know, I was trained to, to, to really make sure that we give back and open the doors, not just for some people, but for everybody. Well, it does sort of seal the deal that you, you're looking to treat everybody in the community. I mean, from 
you know, those that may have the means to pay for it without insurance or with insurance, as well as those that are on Medicaid or the seniors on Medicare. And the last thing I want is in my community that there be people with very serious or undertreated skin problems that can't get access to a dermatologist that can fix them. So it's really important to have that access. Um, And for me, it's about the difference that I can make. And it's not about um, how much their insurance plan would pay. Well, Dr. Nidig, when is your office opening? I guess that's the million-dollar question there, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah. So it, uh, we're opening for a soft opening uh, the first week of June. Um, so some of our patients that we already have relationships with will be coming in then. We'll be having a grand opening shortly thereafter, either later in the month of June or early July. So we'll have an exact date on that. But, you know, stay tuned. That'll be available online on the website. Well, the, web- the website is moderndermatologymd.com, right? That's correct. Yep. Makes it easy, easy to remember. Right. You know, try to make it simple, no acronyms or anything like that to make it difficult. Well, I, anybody has any questions about their skin, I think um, keep an eye out for the grand opening. Come on in and say hello. Uh, they are at 2568 Reba Road, and that's Suite 102. Correct. Again, moderndermatologymd.com would be the website, and it's Dr. Lane Nydig, who's... Uh, Coming to town, uh, I say a local boy coming to town, but I mean, born, raised here, went to Philly. Can't fault him for that to get some. <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, I love Philly. Uh, but I, you know, really came back here to to make the impact and be close to family, friends. And uh, I see faces all around town that, you know, people I grew up with. And um, so it, it's, you know, if you're looking for a dermatologist who's not going anywhere, <laughs> Uh, you know, I have 30 years left to practice and, uh, I'm not going anywhere. So a lot of, a lot of patients say, you know, are you going anywhere? You know, everyone I get leaves or everyone I get, you know, disappears. I'm not going anywhere. And, uh, you can build a relationship with me like you could your neighbor. And, uh, I'm very personal and very open and, uh, I'm trying to make relationship with all my patients so that you, you know me and I know you. Your wife is also a practicing pediatrician in town as well. So... Right. So you could say the other Dr. Nidig or just Dr. Nidig. We're both Dr. Nidig. And so uh, she's a practicing board certified pediatrician in uh, Edgewater, Annapolis, as part of Annapolis Pediatrics. Uh, you know, one of the most well-established practices for kids here in the Arundel County. I, I'll, I'll vouch for 30 years of that for my own kids. So <laughs> Yeah, so they're great. So I'm hoping to see a lot of the kids from their practice and to hopefully make an impact Uh you know, with having a dermatologist that's focused on kids and uh, enjoys seeing kids, not just the minority of the patients, but making sure that they're getting access to treatments for acne uh, in, in the correct time frame, uh, having, you know, treatments for advanced treatments for things like, you know, atopic dermatitis, eczema, you know, anything that's, you know, upsetting the balance of the skin at a young age, getting them on that journey at a young age so that they can maintain their skin health. And start early. And the earlier we start and we get either, you know, have them on good habits or unhealthy control of their skin problem, um, the sooner they'll feel more comfortable in their own skin. Fantastic. ModernDermatologyMD.com. You want to look for a grand opening in June. And Dr. Lane Nidig, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. 
And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.